You're listening to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Now, here's Justin Fielder, Derek Stafford, and Tyler Schaefer. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Justin here along with the cousins, Derek and Tyler. John Sweetland is also here with us. Hey, John. Hey, guys. Nice to be back. It's, uh, it's been too long. Indeed it has. Well, we have a lot to talk about tonight. Uh, We have some roster updates to discuss with a player arriving, a player leaving, and another who just can't stay out of trouble. But first, we need to talk about the resignation of Darren Ersad, eight-year head coach of the Husker baseball program. Now, John, you've been fairly critical about Darren Ersad. So give us your thoughts. Wow. Thanks for letting me go go first. I, uh, I appreciate the honor. (laughs) Um, so here's, I mean, I'm critical of Darren Ursad as a baseball coach. I want that to be very clear, but it's different from Darren Ursad, the man, Darren Ursad, the father, Darren Ursad, the football player, the alumnus, et cetera. So as long as we're clear, I think we'll be just fine. I thought Nebraska made a bold choice when Tom Osborne decided to hire Darren Ursad. A great player on the field, off the field, also on the football field, obviously, but he had zero coaching experience. None. Not Little League, not Legion Ball, no head coaching experience at the collegiate level or any level for that matter. He spent a season or two as an assistant coach with Mike Anderson at the end of his tenure. But to me, that's not, that doesn't qualify anyone, let alone Darren Erstad, to be the coach of your program. And I think the mediocre results we've seen in a weak Big Ten conference are a direct result of that inexperience. Derek? You're talking about the weak Big Ten Conference that just put five teams in the uh, tournament? Yeah, same, the same tournament that gives 64 teams the opportunity to make a, a super regional. I mean, look, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm here nor there with this guy. I, I feel bad for him. I think he got criticized probably a little too much. Uh, his postseason, his postseason play was probably my biggest gripe with him. His his record in postseason was not good. I mean, you know, we missed out so many times. So we, we, I mean, in his eight years, we missed the, the NCAA tournament four times. Missed a Big Ten tournament last year with him, which should never happen when you got eight teams out of thirteen making the tournament. But we did have a lot of injuries, so I kind of gave him a little bit of a pass on that one. Uh, but overall, his seasons were good. I mean, he he had one losing season, and that season he almost won the Big Ten Championship in the tournament uh, in 2013. Uh, you know, the guy just won an outright Big Ten Championship two years ago before he had the injury problem last year. Uh, it's hard for me to, to push a guy out the door that has had somewhat success. Maybe it's not the success so, that we but want, but... But here's the deal. Like, do you really hold them to a stand? Like, is that your is that level of success? That's the standard you expect for your program. Like, barely making it. Um, you know, what four out of the eight years into the top sixty four teams in the country? Top sixty four is a that's the standard. After you know what came before that? I mean, what really came before that outside of Dave Van Horn? Like, he's the only one who did anything. So unless you're getting Dave Van Horn back, why rush this guy out the door? Mike Anderson went to the College World Series, didn't he? Yes, once. Not the Bubba Star, uh, not the Bubba Starlin. The uh, what was the pitcher that played for the Yankees? Chubb, Joe Chamberlain, 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 Chamberlain. 
That was that year, and Alex Gordon. And, and, and wasn't that really with uh, Dave Van Horn's team? I mean, it's, is it with his players? I will absolutely concede that. So I'm going to give you some information that maybe we didn't have going into this conversation because I'm going to be the one to bring it up. Dave Van Horn coached four years, right? Four years yeah. from 1998 to 2002. That's it. Relatively short impact. In those four years, he had 22 players drafted. That's 5.5 players per year with several pitchers being drafted um, out of there as well. So notably Shane Komine. Everyone remembers Shane Komine, of course, um, probably the biggest pitcher today to come out of the Dave Van Horn tree. Um, if you go to Mike Anderson, who had a similar eight-year term, um, so he coached from 03 to 2011, he had 52 players drafted or 6.5 per year. Um I mean, we can go through the players. We kind of mentioned him already. Thad Weber was drafted as a pitcher. Um, Steve Edelson was even drafted as a pitcher, and he had a pretty a pretty rough ERA in Nebraska of 6.75. Um, Joe Chamberlain, obviously, Tony Watson, Brian Dunzing, Zach Conkey. Uh, I, I butchered his name. Sorry, Zach, if you listen to this. My point is that's 6.5 players per year, which is actually higher than Dave Inhorn. And obviously, you can probably attribute some of those players – from Dave Van Horn's, you know, four years in Nebraska to Mike Anderson's first couple of years, but 6.5 per year. Darren Ersad, 22 players drafted over eight years. That's 2.75 players per year. Um, the top draft pick that he had uh, was Travis Huber um, to the Twins. I think it was uh, like, uh, oh, no, that was just his pick. It was uh, Ryan Bolt, obviously. He was the second-round pick. Other than Ryan Bolt, he had no top – five round draftees the next two were uh tanner lubach who went in the ninth round under the angels scott schreiber who went the ninth round Compare that to mike anderson he had a fourth rounder and cody ashy an eighth rounder and mark michael marriott uh aaron probonic everyone remembers him he was a third round dan jennings my point is that over the same course of time he put in almost triple not quite but close to triple the amount of players um that darren ersad did and again Erstad's a great guy, great alumnus, great Husker, but at the same time, he's had woefully bad hitting. Um, this year, even with how far they went, was their worst seasons in like 20-ish years, 1976, 70, I think. I just said, yeah, 75 or 76. 75 or 76 was the last time they had a batting average this low as a team. Um, he's only had one pitcher drafted, Aaron Bummer, um, back to the White Sox in 2014. So I've never seen an evolution of you know, what impact does Darren Ursad have on on the Huskers? So he's a small ball guy. He's a grinder. But I never saw that pay dividends. You know, after Will Bolt left as a defensive coach, the, the infield defense dropped pretty significantly year over year. Um, the hitting never really picked up to where you'd want it to be. Um, I think Indiana had triple the amount of home runs Nebraska had this year in the same conference. So, you know, compare the Huskers' 30-ish home runs to Indiana's 90-plus home runs. That tells me all I need to know about a weak Big Ten conference um, and the style of play that, that he brought. So, I, I like I said, love him as a guy. I think he's a great alumnus. Um, his players obviously come down and supporting him on Twitter over the last you know um, 24 hours. So, uh, I'm sad to see him go as an alumnus, but as a guy who, who, who has been around the College World Series literally my entire life, um, I can tell you that interacting with Darren Ur said that, that he wasn't the right guy to get the Huskers back to the Super Regionals or one day the College World Series. And for me, the barometer is the Super Regional. So my thoughts are, 
on this are uh, I would really love to see him come back. He's not coming back, but I was looking forward to him coming back and taking this team next year because of all the young talent that there is. We are a very young, talented team, and seeing what they did in the uh, the way that they turned the season around towards the end of the season, what they did in the Big Ten uh, tournament, and then I'll even say in the regionals, you know, we were one out away from, uh, you know, putting ourselves in the driver's seat for a super regional. Now, I mean, I was even thinking that, wow, if we get, you know, towards later part of that uh, Oklahoma State game, I'm thinking super regional all the way, the way that they were playing. And so had that not happened uh, and we did get to the super regional, John, do you think that Darren Erstad would still, do you think he still would have resigned if we would have made the Super Regional? I think this is the last season for Darren Erstad and Darren Erstad's head. Um, we've all seen the quotes coming out talking about being around family. You know, they show the video of his daughter singing the national anthem in 2014. And, um, you know, his boys are at that point where, where they pay, where they play um, select travel baseball, Legion baseball here in Nebraska. And that's, that's a full-time job. Um, and so I can, I can see where those conversations were, Hey, you know, you've had a career as a player and we've supported you. You've had a career as a coach and we've supported you. You know, it's time to maybe turn that around a little bit and start supporting, you know, you know, being there with his wife, with his kids and enjoying that time. So I, I can, nothing against him. I simply think that he's not a great head coach of a baseball program. Um, I have talked to recruits. These stories do not make the articles we used to write at Husker Hype. Um, because it's, it's hard as a small outlet to go out there and publish things that aren't, you know, that, that don't shine a, a bright light on a program, but I've heard nothing, but, you know, uh, well, you know, I'd love to go to Nebraska, but, you know, didn't really try to recruit me or didn't put the, the effort that other schools put forward or man, it just rubbed me the wrong way. Um, and you know, baseball in any sport, it's not about loving every kid, you know, treating them with, you know, kid gloves, but about tough love more than anything. So. To have high schoolers say that, that he's not developing relationships, I mean, you know, you look at UNO, nothing against UNO, but they have a regional caliber team. Creighton has a terrific team. You know, if you can take some of those players like like UNO's ace who came from, uh, I think it's Southeast Community College before going to Kearney and then, and then on to Omaha, you know, if, if you can cherry pick some of those guys like Dave Van Horn did back in the day and build a local roster – you can have the type of success you want. Rob Childers comes to Nebraska and, you know, pulls kids out, you know, the top players out of Nebraska, you know, going on, geez, I mean, Erstad's been here eight years. He left in the early 2000s. There's no reason Erstad shouldn't have just a bleed, like a, a, a just bleeding red players that are of a high caliber to come play for him. So um, I hope the next coach can, can do that, can turn that around, can take some of those players from Creighton and UNO, um, and help make Nebraska better. Nothing against those schools, to be very clear. I'm just, I see a lot of cards left on the table in, in terms of recruiting uh, under Erstad. And then I'm not even going to talk about development because I don't feel like there is much out of him. So. so one of the things that doesn't get talked about enough, uh, and probably within good reason because it's not exciting, is baseball recruiting. Uh, fans aren't tuned in, you know, year in, year out on how baseball recruiting is going. But Darren Erstad did manage a top 16 a number 16 recruiting class last year and so i think that also goes into the young talent that he's bringing in uh he sounded like he got it done there uh 
Well, yeah. I, sorry to interrupt, but I think that's what makes this whole the whole thing so mind boggling as to why he would step down now. Like you just had your best recruiting class, and now is the time you want to step down. And that's, that's what don't make sense to me. I guess. John, I mean, I mean, it, it really goes back to you know what do you want to do with your life? So you know, taking the the focus off Darren Urstead for a minute, Pat Casey. Um, resigned a year ago at Oregon State and had the option to come back. And, I, you know, going through a list of candidates of who would be out there to to replace Urstad, I, I looked at Pat Casey because I've interacted with him and his staff probably three or four times now as an adult, come away, you know, nothing but impressed. And I said, you know, what makes these guys different? So, you know, I just don't think that Urstad was meant to be the, the coach. He wasn't meant to go, up, to go out there and grind for a decade as a coach after already grinding as a player. So I think Derek, it's just, you know, he hasn't had the, he didn't grow up as a coach. So, you know, all those struggles that guys spent in their coaching careers, he spent as a player. So you talk about recruiting. He didn't know who to recruit or how to recruit until late in that, in his career. He didn't know how to develop players. His pitching staff has been the same for eight years and you've had a, a pretty stagnant team ERA. So I think it's just a matter of looking back and saying, you know, I can spend all this time continuing to coach, continuing to develop my skills, or I can put it into my family where I've been not absent because that's not the right word, but he hasn't been, you know, as invested as a father. And I think that's admirable to step away for family reasons if you haven't found that balance already. The life of a Division One head coach. I mean, it doesn't really matter the sport, does it? I mean, those guys, they they have to put in the hours. And uh, it's, it's a lot of hard work, and sometimes it's not really rewarded like uh, other, you know, football, basketball. Those sports right there, those guys are rewarded. Not so much in baseball, which is interesting. John, you have some thoughts on possible replacements, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of players out there. And I think before we look at, you know, what my internal list would be, you know, we have to kind of look at what Bill Moose has said over the last couple of days. It's one, he wants someone that has been a proven head coach at a Power 5 program. He said that, you know, right after Ursid came out. And then today he's come out and he's talked a little bit about watch, wanting someone that, you know, can help improve the Huskers pitching because the Huskers had the bats the majority of the season. You go hot and cold and hitting, but what they really didn't have was consistency in their pitching staff. Um, so kind of with that in mind, you know, my, my short list of coaches um, would be Rich Childress. Obviously, he was an assistant coach at Nebraska before going to Texas A&M. I know for a fact that he has property around the Lincoln area, specifically around Elmwood, Nebraska. Um, so I know that, that he's, a, he's a potential candidate. Now, how happy is, is he at Texas A&M? You know, is, would he consider leaving for the right price? Uh, they just got a new athletic director as well. So, you know, maybe that's a perfect time to, to tr- go in with a little bit of money and try and poach Childress. Um, I'd love to see Gary Gilmore. He's at a coastal Carolina. If you're a college world series fan, you'll recognize the name, uh, yeah. because they've been there a lot lately. Um, and even won it, I think it's two or three years ago now. Uh, I'd like to see Cliff Godwin get a look too. He's out at ECU. Uh, he's the head coach out at, at East Carolina university. Um, he's been there a long time. He's pretty established. He's an alumni, so I don't know that you can pull him. But I think if you want to talk about some of the best candidates to do that, Godwin would be up there. Um, my personal list, um, you know, if you can't go get Pat Casey from Oregon State, allegedly Texas A&M tried to hire him two weeks ago, and he turned him down before, you know, their season was even over, which is crazy. Um, but I would say Pat Casey would be a good one. 
if you're looking at guys who are assistants that don't have a lot of head coaching experience or don't have any, um, you know, I would look at Will Bolt. Uh, he's a former He's Texas A&M and Nebraska as an assistant coach. Um, he was the head coach at uh, Texarkana for a few years as well. Um, I think he'd be a, a, a worthwhile name to pursue. And then uh, Nate Yeski, um, who was Oregon State's pitching coach, I think would should get you know a strong consideration. So, you know, five guys: Gary Gilmore, Rich Childress, Cliff Godwin, Nate Yeski, and Will Bolt uh, would be right at the top of my list. But there's several other you know qualified coaches out there. Great list. All right, to move on and to bring Tyler into the discussion, since uh, he doesn't love baseball at all. Uh, I love MLB. I love baseball that other people watch. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Tyler, so tonight we received news that Maurice Washington uh, got cited for possession of drug paraphernalia in his dorm room. What are your thoughts on this situation? Well, you know, before I go too much, I got I got to preference this for the people that are newer to the podcast or don't know my story. I live in Colorado, and, and I've been out here for a couple years now, and I don't know what my stance on marijuana was before I got out here, but since I've been out here, it's definitely very much the part of the culture. You smell it. It's not uncommon, you know, to every strip mall to see a place that sells marijuana. Um, It's not that big a deal to me. Um, And so I kind of I kind of compare this to a, you know, a myth, minor possession, you know, alcohol offense. So. But with that said, we all know where we are with Maurice Washington. We all know where, um, you know, there's a lot of baggage over his head right now. And I think the fact that he would make that decision to put himself at risk when there's already so much in the air shows a really big questionable decision making for this young man. And I'm a big fan of his as a player and I wish nothing but the best. But, man, you, you can't be much you can't be much stupider than making that decision. I mean. That, that that is a really big risk. So I I'm hoping we learn more in the next couple of days that maybe uh shows that this wasn't a horrible decision by him. But um yeah, I, I my initial thoughts is independently not that big a deal, but damn wrong kid, wrong time. He does have a court appearance in California on his other charge next week, so that'll be interesting. Derek, your thoughts. All right. <clears throat> you know what? Tyler, this isn't an issue of whether weed should be should be legal or illegal. This is this has nothing to do with that. The problem is, is like you said, the kid made a piss poor decision. I guys, we've had this conversation off air. We we didn't really talk about it on the podcast for for whatever reason. We won't go get into that. But I have been the one to stick up for Maurice Washington this whole entire time, and. I give up. I think you got to kick him off the team. He's a complete discipline case, and he—I mean—in six months, he's gotten a felony and two misdemeanor charges pressed against him. It's—it's it's time to just walk away. Scott Frost talks about wanting character players, and if you keep this guy on the team at this point, you're proving that you don't care about character as long as you got talent. Sorry, but we're back. I mean, guys committing crimes, getting in trouble. What Husker fan doesn't want to go back to 1995 when we had all those legal issues there? Come on. If that's the price <laughs> I have to pay to get a to get a top 10 running back in the NCAA football, a guy who has a pipe, which did not have marijuana in it, but is rather just like, oh, hey, it's a marijuana pipe. Because they Please. smoked it all. They smoked it all. That's why the police were there. It smelled like we marijuana. Can, we can Listen, we can question his decision making about doing this and getting caught. 
Green questions decision-making about doing it in a dorm room. What a dumb move. Don't smoke in the dorm rooms because your RA, whether you think they're cool or not, they have to turn you in. So, listen, it's paraphernalia. He wasn't caught smoking. He wasn't caught with the drugs on him. It could be anyone's pipe for all we know. Um, I think it's a non-issue other than it being really shit timing for someone already in a crappy situation. Um, I'm kind of with Tyler. I really don't care about weed. Um, you know, everyone I know that uses it at this point is a recreation user, um, or they use it for, you know, medicinal reasons. I put that in air quotes. You can't see that on a podcast. Um, I just don't think, I don't think it's any worse than alcohol. I realize that he's underage for alcohol, but at the same token, man, you know, until they come up with a way to, to, to actually measure its, its impacts on people and, you know, quantify what's illegal, what's an illegal amount like alcohol. I mean, it's just a non-issue for me. It sucks. It's bad timing. Kids shouldn't have done it. Derek is right. Dumb as hell to go out and do this. But, man, it's such a small deal. <laughs> Again, you it's not – I don't care about the legality part of the weed. In Nebraska, it's illegal. He knows it's illegal in Nebraska. This is a known fact. There's nobody questioning whether weed is legal in Nebraska. You can talk about the pipe that he found. There was residue, which you can what tell weed? you can tell if there's residue in a pipe or not. Yeah, you can tell if there's weed. You can tell if it's been smoked or not. If I walk in and it smells like a damn skunk in there, I know you've been smoking weed in there. Come on, I'm not well, stupid. But second off. John, you bring up the 95 team and how much trouble they got into. There's a big difference between a coach who's trying to establish himself and a coach who's been there for 25 years. Yeah, I, th- I think right now Scott Frost has to ha- he has to lay the hammer down and go, you know what, I already warned you. I pulled you into my office and said, you're on thin ice. I don't want to see any garbage. And then you come out and do this. You're embarrassing me. You're embarrassing the university. Get the hell out. Yeah. That's the key. Derek, he I said, "Do not embarrass the you. university." I love you so much, and I had to turn the volume down because you were so passionate about that. <laughs> Tyler, Tyler, what were you going to say, man? I, I, I heard I you was jumping in. Say, so, 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 speeding is also illegal. So, if he had gotten a speeding ticket, would you have been like, "Oh, kick him off the team"? Frost told you not to do anything stupid. You would sped. Why? I, I get. I just think. I. I. Is is terrible timing. I think this really puts some question if you will ever see the field this season, um, especially with the other things. I, I just, I, I, I just personally don't see this being the one thing that's going to be the make or break. Well, I, I just, it's I, not as big a deal. I have a question for you, Tyler. How many, how many players have been suspended for failing piss tests compared to speeding? I don't, I don't think you're talking apples and oranges here. I. Okay, but alcohol. I mean, you try to tell me none of those players ever got caught with alcohol. And most of them I mean, got suspended I mean, if they were underage. Take a step. Take a step back. I mean, if you honestly went out and you grabbed every single football player on any team, not Nebraska specifically, but any football team, and you lined them up and they all peed in the cup and they had to prove that they didn't smoke weed, you would and you cut them off because that's your cutoff point. You would lose so many players what? off of your roster. At least thirty to forty percent of the players on your team smoke marijuana regularly. 
And that's one thing, and 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 that's and it's, it should be punishable because it's illegal in that state. In, in fact, it's illegal in the NCAA, so it should probably be illegal across the country. So it's punishable. So what do you, you do? You can suspend a guy. So, but when you have a guy so, that's on thin ice because he's already in trouble with a felony and a misdemeanor charge in California, and then he does this, like, come on, dude, you're yeah. in a dorm. Yeah, this is this is already his you know second chance. You know, this isn't like uh, he. He gave away his uh, first uh, warning about marijuana when uh, he had the felony allegations uh, out in California with the, the sex video there. Okay, so were, that was his warning marijuana. shot, you know? That's it, his warning it, it, shot. So this here, one right, right here. here. Let, me, let, me, let, me give, let me ask you this. Yeah. And I, I just, and just, be, just be dead honest with me, Derek. If he got busted for this, let's say it was real weed, the, you know, the other charge didn't exist. He got busted with actual weed, so actual you know, possession. And you let him play, let's say, you know, 10 out of 12 games next season. And he went on to win a Heisman. Is that an acceptable, is that an acceptable cost for you, for your morality, to have one possession charge on a guy who sat two games because of it, but went on to win a Heisman you know, a year later? Yes, because you got punished for your crime. You got you sat two games. You sat you got suspended so two so, games okay. for so the what, crime that so you committed. But now, so what's the, but now you got the three crimes against you. What's the punishment? It's I just talked to. I, okay, I let, let me ask you that. Let me let me ask you this. There, there was apparently three other guys in that dorm, and he was the only one charged. So obviously, the UNL police found some reason to charge him and not the other three guys. Probably because he got lippy. I mean, if you're, I, I literally just talked to a Lancaster County Sheriff about this, who's my friend. Ken, if you listen to this, shout out to you. I won't say your last name. Ken, what's up, buddy? If you are not, if you're cooperating with officers and you're just like, no, man, I don't know. It just, it just smells that way. They're, you know, they're going to, they're going to grumble because they can't get you with anything. But if you get lippy, if one of the three guys or four guys in the room gets lippy, they're going to find something to hammer that guy with. And here's the deal with this charge. And correct me if I'm wrong. Tweet at me. Let me know. <laughs> I believe it's like diversion and a small fine. It's not even like oh. you go to it's here. You can, it's like a small fine or a big fine. If you want the small fine, you have to pay two hundred bucks or hundred bucks to take diversion. Right? Like that's that's the punishment. Okay, okay, but you're proving my point here. Like even even if that's the case, you got lippy with a cop when you're on thin ice. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Lots of people who are amazing human beings that would get lippy with a cop. I'm one of them. I get lippy with cops all the time. But then again, yeah. But if I'm I told smart. you you were going to lose your job over I, it, would you do it? What? If I told you you were going to lose your job over it, would you still do it, or would you maybe mind your p's and q's and go? Maybe it's not a good idea. Lip off to this officer who's going to shit in my cereal here. <laughs> Hey guys, we got to move on. We got another running back to talk about. Uh, you know, this this will not resolve itself tonight. Uh, but I want to know. <laughs> hey, uh, Diedrich Mills, uh, he arrived on campus, so that's kind of good news. Uh, Derek, that's that's big news for this running back room, right? After today, it's the biggest news in damn Nebraska history. <laughs> Shit, we didn't have a core. We didn't have a running back. We had one that we thought might be able to play if court would have went well for him, but now he can't play. So now we have no running back. So this is huge. We have to have this guy coming healthy. Yeah, I can't. 
it on the podcast, but I just want to point out that Derek's shirt and his face are the same shade of red. <laughs> yeah, Derek's pretty fired up. Tyler, is he right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we talked about this. Um, you know, if Maurice Washington plays or doesn't play, I, I think Diedrich Mills had a spot in this roster for next season. Um, without Maurice Washington, he is my pick to be our starting running back. So, yeah, the fact that our starting running back potentially is going to be on campus is a huge deal. Um, you know, if if Mills, if we didn't have Mills or Washington, I think that's at least a one game, if not a two game drop in what we would expect for the next season. So huge, huge victory for us to get another player that could take some um, carries next season. John, uh, you know, super happy Dedrick Mills is on campus. Um, I, I mean, I, I thought he was in line for a good share of the, the workload this fall. Um, my concern, Derek, I'm just going to put my foot in my mouth. You know, my concern with Maurice Washington after this came to light is, you know, can he stay on the straight and narrow long enough to make it through his time in Nebraska? I sure hope he can. I, I hope that, you know, Frost gives him the same opportunities that Tom Osborne gave some of the other players in his heyday, you know, to, to grow from from boys into young men into adults while they're at Nebraska. So, you know, I'm happy Mills is here. I think he is going to bring a lot of, um, you know, versatility to the offense and being able to run between the tackles. And, you know, when you have him and Maurice Washington in the backfield or, you know, any of those guys, Miles Jones, uh, Wandale Robinson, et cetera, any of those guys, you know, in the backfield next to Mills just complicates, you know, how the defense is going to react. So I'm super happy he made it here. Um, you know, if Nebraska went out and still with that, maybe another guy like a John Bivens, um, or a grad transfer, like, uh, is it a feaster fester from, uh, from, I think it's Clemson or Virginia tech. Um, I'd love to see them, you know, go that route on a one year, um, you know, grad transfer type of player just to ensure they have enough depth to make it through the season. But Dedrick Mills is huge. It takes a lot of uh, burden off of, uh, coach held and his running backs room to, to move things forward this fall. All right, so we got a little bit more roster moves tonight. Uh, tonight we found out that redshirt freshman safety C.J. Smith entered the transfer portal. He's the latest. Uh, is that shocking to you, John? Yeah, it, it caught me off guard. I thought uh, C.J. Smith is someone who's in line for playing time this fall. You know, he backed up uh, Antonio Williams, Antonio Reed, and uh, Trey Neal last year, and I thought the the spot next to uh, Deontay Williams was really I had his name written all over. He just had to go out and take it. Um, but you know, it's surprising. I, I think there's a lot of depth there because apparently we start every defensive back at safety now um, when they come <laughs> to Nebraska. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. You know what happens with a guy like JoJo Doman? Does he does he continue to roll down to the outside linebacker position that you know he started to flash at the end of last season? Does he move back to safety? You know. I, I more more than anything else, I wonder who's going to fill that void uh, across from Deontay Williams. Tyler, now this is the fourth transfer from Scott Frost's initial recruiting class. Cause for alarm? You know, I, I, I go back and forth on this. You know, there, there is a part of me that's like, it, it, you know, if I hired someone off the street and, and, and they say, hey, I'm, I'm committed to your organization, I'm committed to your company, and then, you know, within the first short amount of time they they put their notice in i i think that that might be an issue with the character and the buy-in i'm getting from these people when i hire them but i will tell you the flip side i think the transfer portal and the new college football is a different 
mammal. I mean, I think you look at this thing and this is the norm. And I don't know why these kids are bailing. I don't know what it is, but it's across the country. Um, I, I think what causes alarm and John hit on this is that depth, at safety. Um, I mean, we might be able to get fined this year, but CJ Smith was a redshirt freshman. I mean, that kid, if he wasn't going to start this year, or even play a lot this year, you got to think he, the coaches had him in line for future plans of starting and playing. So, um, you know, whatever the effects this season, we'll find out. But I think the long-term future, this is a kid that we all expected to play at Nebraska. Yeah, for what it's worth, I had C.J. Smith in my two deep on the depth chart when we did this a few weeks ago. Uh, Who did you have in front of him? Uh, say, uh, Deontay Williams and Markel Dismuth. Who was the other guy? Who was the other number two safety? Oh, uh, I had Noah Pol- Pola Gates penciled in there. I thought you had Cameron Jones. That was uh, when we did it. Uh, uh, initial one. Yeah, the initial one. After after post spring, that's how I had it. What do you got, Derek? You know, you know, Tyler's all about apples and oranges. You know what, Tyler? If you're hiring a guy and he doesn't <laughs> stick around for ninety days, maybe you should start him at a higher wage. I don't know. <laughs> what? What? So this so has so nothing so to do with that. I, this has to do with the fact that a kid in this t- in today's society, all these kids want to come in and think they're going to come just jump themselves into a starting position, they don't get their way, and they run away. This is happening all over college football. It's not just Nebraska. It's happening everywhere. It's tiring. This transfer portal is ridiculous. I'm getting tired of seeing it. And, you know, maybe we get lucky and this kid pulls his name back out of the transfer portal like like Andrew Bunch did. Who knows? Derek, just for you that note, Derek is not a 90-year-old man. Uh, I know he sounds that way. Uh, he really isn't that old, but Derek, Derek, it's the same thing. Oh, because I'm not paying you up. Build yourself up. Build your pay. Oh, you don't get the you know, pay you want right out of college. Work for it. And and that's the thing is these kids, I, I don't know if it's playing time. I don't know if it's system. I, I don't know why they're leaving, but I'm sure there's a different story for every one of them. But man, I, I just wish that, and, and this is so ideal, but if a kid was going to sign, He's going to play and stick it out and try. And 12 months out of school is not sticking around and trying. You know, I'm with Derek and and Tyler for that matter that, you know, you got to give it some time before before you bail. You got to push through it. But I also understand, you know, the the necessity for the transfer portal, because I I can tell you I've worked for people and I was an eh employee and I've worked for people and I'm a fantastic, you know, rock star employee because the person I worked for or, or the coach I had knew how to, how to push my buttons and get the most out of me. Not that I can't do that myself, but I think that's a big deal. I mean, you're talking about kids that are 17 to 20 years old. You know, they've only had a couple of coaches in their entire life. And maybe they gelled with the guy in the recruiting trail. You know, they gave it a year. I'm happy he gave it a year because some of these kids are signing in December and transferring after, this, after one spring. So, mm-hmm. you know, as long as we're not at that point, I don't think there's any reason to wave red flags. Is it concerning that guys are leaving from Frost first class? Yeah, but he also put it together in, what, 45 days? So, you know, I, I think there's a little bit of, you know, you don't have the time necessarily to get to know everyone, make sure that, that their goals and, you know, their motivations align with yours. So um, luckily for us, I mean, Justin, you mentioned it. You know, we've got Noah Pola Gates coming in. My concern was he would get buried on the depth chart for three or four years. And not that it's wide open, but I think there's a, a much – 
faster path for a guy like Noah Polar Gates or, or anyone else who plays safety that's been recruited in the last 24 months, because that's where everyone's starting at, uh, to, to get a fair shake at that. So um, I'm not concerned about it. I definitely have my eye on it, but that's, that's about the tip of the sword for me on C.J. Smith. Wish him all the best, by the way. Absolutely. So let's talk about something maybe that's probably a little bit less controversial. Uh, Also, we found out the televised kickoff times for this year. Derek, do you have those handy? Yeah, I do. Uh, So Northern Illinois, I'm sorry, South Southern Alabama will be an 11 a.m. kickoff. Uh, Colorado will be a 2.30 kickoff. Northern Illinois will be a 7 o'clock kickoff, which surprised me. Uh, Northwestern will be a 2.30 or 3 o'clock kickoff. And Iowa will be a 1.30 kickoff on BTN. I think that shows how much Nebraska has dropped at this point. Does anything stick out to you there, Tyler? I'm, you know, as someone that's going to be at that Colorado game, uh, anyone that's listening that's going to be there too, hit me up. We grab a beer. Um, you can buy me one. That's great. Um, I'm excited for 2.30 kickoffs. I, I love tailgating for a 2.30 kickoff. The, the, the night games, you can get a little too drunk, and those 11 a.m., 10 a.m. out here is a little too early. Um, I, I'm excited about that, but, yeah, I don't know why the Northern Illinois is a primetime game. That's not the game I want to stay up at night waiting for. So, uh, But I, I, the, when you start getting the time filled in, you start uh, planning your Saturdays two months in advance, so I'm pretty pumped for that. John, do you have any thoughts on these kickoff times? You know, I'm not a huge fan of the the South Alabama uh, 11 a.m. time frame. That said, that should be, I mean, that's the first weekend of college football, um, and that should be the number one game after, you know, college game day wraps up. So, I love the time slot for that. I don't love that it's, you know, 11 a.m., but, you know, from a national audience perspective, I think, you know, a morning game isn't going to kill anyone. Uh, I line up with Tyler really on the rest. I don't understand the Northern Illinois one, but, you know, I'll take any night game that, that we can get at this point um, and go from there. So I'm pretty indifferent on the Iowa game as well. I mean, you know, that that's Thanksgiving or that's what is it? Uh, yeah, it's Thanksgiving weekend. It's an afternoon game. I'd rather have an afternoon game than an evening game. Um, so for for Thanksgiving reasons, so I'll take it. Uh, be curious to see what happens for Nebraska Wisconsin two weeks before that. Aren't you guys shocked that that Nebraska Iowa matchup is on BTN and not you know ABC or nationally televised? I mean, isn't that strange to you? What no? What do you think, Justin? Is that strange to you? Yeah, yeah. I, I thought I think that has the. I think it has. Uh, what it takes to become a nationally televised game, right? Especially, well, especially with the hype with Nebraska official. this year. I mean, yeah. we, we can all sit here and laugh at the hype, but there's a lot of hype for Nebraska. For, so for this year, for this game to be where it's at seems a little strange to me. I, I, I agree with Justin. I mean, for me, I like, like I said, I like the time slot. It, it also sounds like the BCN. Uh, team actually reached up and grabbed this game from other vendors because it's such a, a well-known time slot. You know, these are locked in, but at the same time, you know, if there's a rain out here or something happens, you know, these could always be adjusted later on. Um, but I think this one is, is a good time slot. It's a premier Thanksgiving oh, game. Yeah. Um, it's a rivalry game. So I, I think it'll be good for Nebraska and Iowa. And to me, more than anything, it's interesting that, you know, BTN reached up 
with a pick that they could have used somewhere else, like Nebraska, Wisconsin, and you know, spent it on the the Thanksgiving afternoon game. All right, so let's talk about uh, Fox and uh, their game of the week. Now they want to move their game of the week to the eleven a.m. Central time slot, uh, as to not compete with primetime game on ABC ESPN. Tyler, what, what do you think about this move? You like it? I love it. I mean, I, I just think about you look at the advertising dollars. I mean, Fox is going big on this new pregame show. Um, you know that they're bringing in you know, quote unquote, heavyweights to run that broadcast for them. Um, You know, they're trying to compete with ESPN. They've been trying this for a while. I mean, not to get too down the wire, but there was that big merger with Fox, uh, with Disney buying Fox. Uh, Fox Sports ended up going and staying independently. I think Fox Sports for the last few years has been trying to play for ESPN. What they're trying to play for is advertising dollars. I think they're going to have a lot more of a lead in into that show and more people are going to turn into the Fox pregame knowing that right afterwards you're going to get the big games. And so I, I think Fox going that route is a really interesting move that they can hype up that game. And, you know, right after the, their quote unquote game day, um, the prime time's loaded. I, I love this for my Saturdays. I, it is going to even out my Saturdays a lot more. So I don't have to do as much flipping. Great move by Fox. <laughs> John. Uh, I mean, I'm with Tyler. I think I think that you know everyone is pretty ho hum about morning games, and if Fox wants to invest some time, money, and, and real effort into changing that and making it a better slot, I'm all for it. Um, pretty rough is for the West Coast crowd. You know, that's a I think a 9 a.m. game or something like that yeah. um, on on the 31st. But you know, a lot of people get up to watch football all day. A lot of people tune out first thing in the morning because they're crappy games. So. If this well, brings a little, you know, some better games to the to the morning slots and draws in some more viewers and advertising dollars for the Big Ten and everyone else, I'm all for it. But if it leads to everyone going on to Fox Sports West and Fox Sports whatever, third, fourth, fifth channel, then then I don't want to do it anymore. So this does cover Big Ten and Big 12, the, those games of the week. Those conferences will be included. Derek, your thoughts? You, you know, I, I have mixed emotions on this. You guys make good points. Uh, I, I think from a business standpoint, I think this is very smart from Fox. I think the thought of putting, hey, this is our best game of the week. Why compete with ABC and ESPN and, and CBS at the 7 o'clock spot when I can put our best game of the week on when nobody else is? So I think from a business standpoint, it's probably a smart idea. From a, from a fan standpoint, I'm not a huge fan of this because I don't like the 11 a.m. games. I, I like to watch my uh, college game day. And then I like to go out and mow my yard from 11 to 12 or whatever. And I like to do my, get my stuff done from 11 to whenever the Nebraska game starts. Or whenever the big game starts, even, for that matter. But I, I, so, I so, think so, to so I, point, I, 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 I can see both sides. Of, yeah, there needs to be a healthy distribution of when your team plays, right? Like, I don't want all morning games. I don't want all afternoon games. And I don't want all night games. But, you know, as long as the schedule, to me, as long as every team has a pretty healthy schedule in the Big Ten from a, a timing standpoint. I'm all for it. I'm all for trying to move some you know, some, some eyes to those earlier games and drawing the, the attention in. So we'll see how it pays off. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, let's get into last call. Uh, last call to you, Tyler. Oh, my last call goes out to uh, the NBA Finals. Uh, tomorrow night is Game 3 in Golden State. Uh, Kevin Durant is officially ruled out. 
Clay Thompson's questionable, but I'm asking you guys, who do you got? Derek? I always got my Warriors. Come on. John? I got the Warriors. You know what? Uh, Drake is the only person that can make the Warriors likable. I can't stand Drake. That guy <laughs> is the most obnoxious fanboy out there. Uh, so I, I, you guys know how much I hate the Warriors, but sorry, Drake. I mean, God, you suck. Last call to you, Derek. All right, so I don't know if you guys seen this. I, I know Tyler didn't because he's a college baseball hater. Uh, there was a Louisville player, and I, I'm going to draw a blank on his name, but he's the closing pitcher. He had an inside pitch called a ball that he thought should have been a strike. He didn't overreact. He kind of looked at the referee or the ump. The catcher threw the ball back to him. He turned his back to walk off the mound, and the umpire just out of nowhere Kicked him out of the game. This was a ridiculous move by this umpire. It was it was just it was horrible. The guy didn't overreact until after he got kicked out of the game, and then he did overreact. I don't know about overreact, but he reacted well. Uh, the kid was in, in, unfortunately in NCAA baseball rules. He now has to serve a four game suspension for being expelled from a game. This is just. A stupid rule that the NCAA needs to fix in college baseball. Fortunately for the Cubs, they picked this kid up who's apparently pretty good. So, <laughs> John? You know, uh, I just want to give two shout-outs. One to the MLB draft, who no one on my Twitter feed apparently paid attention to. Um, and then it sounds like Sports Illustrated has been uh, has been sold off to the Authentic Brands Group for $110 million. So, um, don't know if that's true or not. I just Googled it because I have nothing else to talk about because I don't want to talk about Isaiah Roby for a few weeks uh, and his shot in the NBA draft. So if it's true, I really hope they continue the swimsuit issue and all the other great articles that they put out every year. <laughs> Tyler, thoughts on that? No, I, I'm all set. I, I got nothing to add to that. <laughs> Derek? Well, if you want to run your magazine down to the ground, take the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition out. If you want to keep it around, keep that around. I mean, Playboy tried to this with uh, their their little magazine, and they quit doing nudes, and it didn't do too well for them. So. <laughs> Derek stopped buying every copy. Isn't, guys, <laughs> guys, isn't this an Onion article? I just want everyone to know. I'm pretty sure. Uh, <laughs> Is it real? I don't know. All right. so, well, tell me this is real because I don't even know. <laughs> but still, shout out to everyone who did not watch the MLB draft and everyone who had a party in Nashville and watched that draft. Nice. Hey, last call to me. Last call goes to Andy Ruiz, who knocked out heavyweight champ Anthony Joshua in the seventh round and took all of his heavyweight belts. Ruiz knocked Joshua on his ass four times in the fight, and the ref had to stop the fight after that fourth knockdown. The only bad part about this is I do not get to see a Deontay Wilder and Joshua matchup, if it ever happened. Thoughts, Tyler? I don't think you're going to see that for a while. Uh, boxing's too much politics, but I think this is a big deal for boxing. Um, Mexico is a huge fight fan. Um, they love the fights. Um, if I'm boxing, I'm feeding this guy a couple uh, scrubs to keep him winning, trying to build a little bit of momentum. <laughs> Don't feed him um, anymore. He's well, big enough, man. He's big enough. <laughs> <laughs> let, let that guy ride. Let get some uh, interest out of Mexico and maybe build up for a rematch down the road because 
Uh, I think that was a pretty big upset. But no, I think that's a it was an awesome highlight reel to watch. Derek. Uh, this just shows how much boxing has taken a backseat to every sport in all of America at this point because I've never heard of either one of these boxers. What? Never heard of them. I, I, Fur- Tyson Fury is the only heavyweight cha- only heavyweight I know. So outside of him, all the rest of the heavyweight champions, I, I don't know what to tell you. John? You know, personally, I think it's a bad idea, but if you remember Mike Tyson's punch-out, as soon as you got beat down by King Hippo, you got back in the game and you win another round. So um, I think it'd be smart to take two or three fights before it comes back around to Ruiz, but, you know, do you, man. I mean, he got he got knocked down four times uh, last time. I don't see much changing if they're going to fight in the next five or six months. So, But who knows, maybe, maybe something will... Something will happen. You know, you bring that up. This is kind of like Glass Joe against King Hippo. <laughs> like, this is this fight. This is the fight everybody wanted to see, right? Well, you just said you didn't follow boxing. Now I the don't. Everyone wants to it's see. Glass Jaw Joe who you knocked out easily. And, <laughs> and Hippo guy, you punched him in the stomach three times and then punched him in the face. <sighs> and he went down. Come on. Oh, man. All right, what else we got, Justin? We got anything else? <laughs> no, John. Oh, my God, this is too much. Hey, John, thanks for stopping by tonight. We we had a blast. You need to come back. Uh, it was fun to see you get a, uh, Derek this animated. He was all fired up. So we gotta I do live this. to get Derek's face bright red. That was pretty entertaining. It took him a while. I thought he was going to need an inhaler for a second there. But uh, uh, let's... Let's get out of here, and we'll come back. But uh, be sure to follow the Husker Cuzcast on Twitter, at Husker Cuzcast. Like us on Facebook. Our episodes can be found everywhere to include Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Write us a five-star review on whatever platform you listen on. Give us feedback. On behalf of Derek and Tyler, we want to thank everybody for listening. And as always, go Big Red.